Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that would like to invite you to play a little game. I'm Alex. When you're wandering in the darkness and you're like, hey, what's going on, everybody? And everyone's like, fucking everything's going on. <laughs> Mushrooms and <laughs> fires and winds and prays and little tiny skulls and stuff. It's, it's like, oh, you sometimes need to just sit down and gnaw your arm off. I'm Justin. Uh, I'm Pete, and my brain is broken, okay? This show <laughs> is too much at, all at once in ways that I was not ready for, and uh, no, I can't. We should all just walk away. This is it's too much, man. It, it's very crazy on that. Like, I know we've probably said this multiple times in this podcast, but this is the craziest episode of Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's too much. You can't. You can't like do I, that. I feel like I'm having hot flashes. <laughs> it's I, too much. I loved it. This just felt like Stop. classic, classic mid-season what? finale of Riverdale to me, where it's just no. everything is happening all no. at once, way over no. the top. Honestly, I we've talked about this a lot, and I think the structure of this season wind is very powers. Weird. Very. Cheryl's weird. got wind powers. <laughs> so ridiculous. It's gonna go well with her uh, archery. Like we we've talked a lot about the structure of the season, and it's not going to be abundantly clear until we get to the end here. What actually ties up, what pays off, how everything works together. But we had these three episodes that were picking up from the end of last season that had their own emotional thrust to them, their own power to them because they were uh, wrapping up high school. Then we had those three episodes post time jump that were awesome in a totally different way and felt like a fresh new show. And then we had, I'm definitely messing up my count here, but I guess three more episodes that kind of felt like, oh, okay, this is Riverdale. This is kooky. This is wacky. There's a lot of weird stuff happening all over the place. Um, they're going in a bunch of different emotional directions and following the characters. This, this episode. Well, hold on. And like Justin said last episode, we like Riverdale. You know, in my mind, mm-hmm. it was a little bit of a bummer because there was that propulsion to the post time jump episodes, but it was still fun to watch. This is. This is what I've been missing from the last three episodes, though, or so, where it's just these wildly, insanely over-the-top swings that are just make you feel like you're watching a fever dream or Jughead on maple mushrooms. I feel like I'm on the back of a flatbed truck watching television at 100 (laughs) miles an hour when I watch this show. This episode was like a shot of fucking adrenaline. Not just one in the heart, but it's like, Some oh. people s- should be fired or something. Like, this is promoted. No. These people should no, be you promoted. You can't stuff out like this. Pete, no, this is You this take is the writer much. of this episode. You take the director of this episode. You double hire them. All right? Yeah. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how that works, but uh, this was great. I loved this it. This is... No, this is not television. This is too. I, I, I feel like I need need to talk to somebody because I'm not okay anymore. Like this Great show news. has changed Great my news. life. You're on a podcast. You're talking to two people right now. Yeah, exactly. No, this is it's, perfect. Uh, 
I'm I'm not the same person I was because of this show. I've uh, I, this is not right. I, I would like to uh, maybe over the course of the episode, each of us find the tipping point where we each were like, well. This is I'll tell you what my, my mind. <laughs> I'll tell you what my tipping point was. Uh, when we get there, uh, my, I, just something in my brain just shut off. Like it was just like, nope, you don't have control of that anymore. That's gone. <laughs> Wait, yeah. so what point was it? Should we say right at the beginning before yeah. we even get into the recap Let's or anything? I'm curious. Pete, you seem to be the most emotionally affected by this episode. What was your tipping point? The chicken Charles wedding was my, and I pronounce you husband and a husband. That's why my brain just, just fucking snapped. Oh, the one that happened at a child's birthday party? Yep. After uh, a stabbing? <laughs> before a stabbing. Before the, before the stabbing st- happened next. Yeah, Let's yeah. get the timeline straight. Justin, what was your tipping point? Um, I mean, I guess it probably was when Cheryl prayed for wind and then it came <laughs> and she looked up and was like huh it worked not just Cheryl but her mom who broke out of prison in time and uh, also she didn't break Nana. out of prison she cartoon broke out of prison <laughs> <laughs> that, Nightmare I, that was the tipping the point window. for me there's a point the first half of the episode I mean, there's still ridiculous things happening, right? But that felt like consistent with the last couple of episodes when the bomb goes off in the prison and Penelope once again when comes out of the walls. down with his drink and counts down for the boom. How, what, how's the timer work that's on his desk? How does timer Natalie connect Bolton's, to the bomb? It, the it, was, a vo- it tick, was a voice timer. Tick. It was a voice timer. Oh my God. You got to say tick, tick, boom. Yeah. I'm really surprised there wasn't, like you're saying, a cartoon, just a round <laughs> bob that says Bob on it, 100%. or just a stick of TNT, Reggie in the corner, snickering like a like a Looney Tune. Uh, yes. But yeah, in that moment, Penelope, Natalie Boat's expression when she comes out of the walls, I was like, I, I cannot believe Penelope came out of a wall again, but <laughs> in an entirely different yeah. way. I was like, yeah. oh, here we go. This is it. And, this the is way, and that was the- halfway through the episode. She looked up from through the hole in the wall and was like, hey, I'm a villain. It, it was that. And then while we're jumping around, the point that broke me, I think, was when Cheryl and Penelope considered maybe sacrificing Minerva to the maple groves. Yeah. And, and Minerva was like, I see where this is going. I'm going to get out of here. Cheryl, I love you. See you tomorrow for our date. This one is going to end with you murdering me. So I'm going to see you tomorrow. I did not make it safely safely out of Greendale for this. Okay. That's what Minerva was saying. Let's get into the episode because, again, there's. Yes, Pete. There was one more. And then the over the top Betty. And I'm making a reference to the Sylvester Stallone movie that is the, we got a preview yes. of. I cannot wait. She's mm-hmm. going to go into underground ar- trucker arm wrestling competitions. And I can't wait for the speech where she oh, talks about a hat 100%. being a switch. Gonna We're going to get over the top. We're going to get dual. We're going to get literally everything there as Betty. We're going to get a few good men. Yes, we're 100% going to get a few good men. We that can't handle what's going to happen next. 100%. <laughs> That, that set up, I was like, Archie's going to go up against a general in a, uh, what, a federal court? <laughs> in front of the Senate. He's going to testify in front the, of the Senate. The sergeant whose idea was just to start shooting people? Yeah. yeah. I would be curious 
for somebody to do a vocal analysis of our Riverdale podcast and just see if it's gotten shrill and screamier over time or if it just kind of started at that level, because I'm not quite sure. But definitely this episode is like so far seven solid minutes of screaming about the episode before we even got into the recap of how we got here. (laughs) I feel like we should go back and listen to the first episode where we're like, um, this show is yeah. interesting. We and now we're like, so oh listen, um, so they, they, uh, uh, they, no, but when um the uh fire was Reggie's was on fire briefly. Just insanity. Let's play the pincushion bad game. Terrifying. <laughs> I I used to play that all the time when I was a kid. Never won. Yeah. Oh my god. They never won um, the pincushion bad game. Wait, you're saying that your uh a family member handed you a giant knife and was like, You're up, Alex. Play the Yeah, pin it was one of those things game. like it was on the shelf with mousetrap where we were like, This is too complicated. We don't have time to set up the whole pincushion bad game today. Yeah. So let's play Uno instead. Yeah, rainy day. So let's, let's play do, pincushion. <laughs> let's do recap for how we got here, even though there's a ludicrous amount of information you need to know. But I'm going to try to do it anyway. First of all, Jughead Jones is now a successful author, except he has writer's block, hasn't written anything. He's been trying to write about the aliens who kidnapped him, specifically the maple soaked aliens, but having a lot of writer's block there. Meanwhile, his ages is back in New York, demanding pages and eating hot dogs and just calling him at every hour of the day. But meanwhile, Jughead, to make money, Money for the creditors, who we haven't seen in several episodes, is working at Pops and also an English teacher as the high school. He's been hired by Tabitha Tate, who is the granddaughter of Pop Tate. They have struck up somewhat of a friendship, somewhat of a flirtation. We get into that this episode. Oh, yeah. But meanwhile, Jughead has been dealing with multiple traumas from his past. We don't know exactly what they are, but we do know at least one of them is the breakup with Betty that happens after high school, after Betty cheated on him with Archie, which was basically his greatest fear. So that's all. Also, there's a sex bunker uh, that is. Oh yeah, under there's the always that's a sex bunker. Always a is sex bunker. Always, Meanwhile, Betty is. is a trainee FBI agent. She is searching for her sister Polly, who has disappeared and is presumed dead after there was a lot of blood left on a phone booth that was reported by Glenn, her kind of boyfriend, kind of full time FBI coworker. Where's the cat? Who Toffee, has the, the cat. cat is missing. We get no clarity about that this episode. I'll spoil Come that on. right off. Very upsetting. But we do find a, no, a lot Toffee more about... No, I think Toffee was next up in Pincushion Man. I think Toffee was right <laughs> yeah, there. She was like, I'll stab like, that dude. Uh, he doesn't give a uh, shit about me. I'm a cat. We're all psychotic yeah, murderers. Cat. Glenn hasn't changed my litter box in several weeks. Yeah, I'll stab that dude. (laughs) (laughs) So they're kind of getting maybe not not 100% sure. Alice found out that Polly was presumed dead when Glenn showed up in Riverdale last episode and took over the investigation along with the rest of the FBI. However, Betty has been working with Jughead a little bit uh, to try to find out what's going on. And he has been looking into the Mothman aliens that have been plaguing Riverdale for years. Now, also important to mention are Juniper and Dagwood are the twin kids of Polly and Jason Blossom. We've only seen them very briefly. They're about nine years old right now. Alice has been taking care of them while she has been dealing with multiple traumas from her own past, including the fact that Charles Smith, her son with F.P. Jones, who was in the FBI, was working with Betty and Jughead, turned out to be a serial killer himself. 
He was a, a vigilante kind of serial killer, at least thought he was, similar to Hal Cooper, who was Betty's dad, the Black Hood, who died. Uh, oh, what? and also I should probably mention that Charles is in love with a chick who briefly pretended to be Charles and lived with Alice and Betty. And is the true hero of Riverdale. Honestly, wow. hearing you, you say this. You broke yourself. You broke. I did. You just broke. It's, Chick broke you. I want that to be on record. Chick broke you. I feel like it's. I feel like I'm reading, you know, in the Matrix when it's all just like random numbers and shit falling yeah, out of the screen. Yeah. I feel like that's what my brain is. And it's just Riverdale <laughs> details. There was, this is definitely jumping ahead, but that amazing shot of Chick and Charles getting married as Alice marries them and Juniper Dag, but in the background, I was like, if you showed this to somebody, there is so much you need to understand going into this one shot. It's insane. And, the, and just the breakdown where um, Glenn's like, well, here's the thing about your family. Um, uh, your dad didn't. Ha- Hal didn't have the gene, but he was a serial killer. You do have the gene. You're not a serial killer. Charles has a gene. It's a serial killer. I was just like, what? This is. They're rushing <laughs> to just say this. Like they had to, yeah. they'd be like, hurry up and say all this, this genetic is, information. This is worse yeah, than uh, Star Wars trying to say like the Force was genetic or whatever shit that was. No, I love. Glenn it. is everybody on Twitter being like, can you explain how the serial killer gene thing works for me? Because <laughs> yeah. I don't. 100%. It doesn't seem consistent. It's not and consistent. It's, he's, it's literally not consistent. Yeah, there you go. Um, so where were we? Oh, we mentioned Cheryl earlier. Tony is off screen. We get a little clarity about that this episode. She's on bed rest yes. leading up Very to a pregnancy. Little bit. Very little. But at least at least we got it. We, we were yeah. bummed not to get it last episode. It was nice to get it this episode. Um, Cheryl yeah. and Tony are uh, very much on the outs, but Cheryl is on the ins with Minerva Mabel, who is an art dealer uh, played by Adeline Rudolph from Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. They're different characters. Don't worry about it. Totally different. Uh, and meanwhile, Cheryl has a very tenuous relationship with the Blossom family curse. She seems to have broken out of that now, but Nana Blossom, her crazy grandmother, is... Is very you very much how, into that. I was she the crazy one? You can't. Even, I mean, that whole family, like just pointing out, uh, Grandma Nana is the crazy one. It just seems like the, each one of them is crazier in their own way. I mean, and pointing let, let me out th- Nana let me throw this is out like to you. one of them jumps out of the walls like like a cartoon character. Like how it's Grandma. Nana, uh, what, uh, name a name a character who is acting rationally in this show. <laughs> name a sane person. <laughs> Glenn. Glenn? <laughs> no, Glenn, Glenn is what you come Glenn. up with. Glenn is what you're coming up with. No, not Glenn. Are you serious? Who is that's a good question. Who is a sane character? I would say Tabitha, Pop, but he's not no. Tabitha, Tabitha, maybe, except for the fact by the end of the episode yeah, she handcuffs the... Jughead and leaves him for the night. Truth. Yeah. Truth. Okay. Yeah. Definitely not Archie. No. Uh, Mr. Weatherby? No, not Mr. Weatherby. Uh, Anyway, uh, we're getting a little lost here in the middle of the recap. There's still another 15 minutes of recap to go before we really wrap up here. Archie was in the army and is now working at the high school and is dating Veronica, who is married, well, was married to Chad, is trying to finalize her divorce there while she opens up a jewelry store on the bad side of town in Riverdale. Uh, Chad and Veronica had an accident, a.k.a. the accident, back in... Not Martha's Vineyard. What do they call it? Garth's Vineyard? Marsh's. I don't know. It's very close. Yeah. Yeah. I forget, actually, also. But 
I, okay. It's like Martian. But they movie. had a helicopter accident, and Veronica was in a coma for a while. We find out a little bit more about that this episode. I could certainly speculate. Um, what else is going on? What other characters are there on this show? Oh, we were in the middle of saying Cheryl and Minerva are kind of dating. Um and, uh, oh yeah, Reggie is, was briefly good last episode, but now he's bad and working for Hiram, who is trying to do something with Riverdale. We find Reg. out exactly what his plan is this episode. That was a lot of recap. Let's get into it. Kicking it off with a little Duran Duran, as you always do. Uh. One little note that I'll mention that I actually thought was really nice is the first two scenes of the episode were a trucker pulling away from Pops, and then we go into Pops and we see Jughead and Tabitha, and the last two scenes of the episode were Betty as a trucker pulling away from Pops, Over the and then top. Jughead and Tabitha, which I thought was a nice nice little structure of the thing. That's Trucker all. Yeah. sandwich? It was a little trucker sandwich. My favorite yeah. thing to order at um, a restaurant is a trucker sandwich. At Stuckey's is where you should get it. All right. So, yeah. Yes. The so, yeah. What did you think about this? I assume you're a Duran Duran fan, Pete. How'd you feel about this choice of Hungry Like the Wolf and the dancing? And also, as a bughead shipper, how'd you think feel about uh, Tabhead this episode? All right, so, yeah. That w- what, was, what was nice was they were having some fun. You know, maybe Tabitha got wrapped up in it for some particular reason I don't understand. But what's nice is they came to their senses and they were like, hey, that was awkward. We should be friends. So, okay, great. Uh, I, I this uh, I thought ahead, was uh, sorry this I thought was really um was nice it felt like a real romance for and Jughead needs nope. help um and I like their relationship and I totally get like hey not every relationship needs to instantly be a romance they feel like they're good friends but I I feel the chemistry here and she's really putting herself out there to help him He's not really prepared yep. to be in a relationship right now, I think. But yep. uh, but the spark is there nonetheless, so um, I'm here for Jagatha. I, I got kind of sold on the idea that maybe they are actually heading towards Tabhead instead of Bughead over the course of the season. Because you shut your face. I think so. Well, I, I thought we were heading back to Bughead after last episode, but it really yes. seems like Jughead has some trauma obviously dealing with Betty in that relationship. And I don't yeah. think he's going to, I think he's going to realize the healthy thing is not to go back to Betty. It's going to be to move forward in his life. Oh and yeah. You that. think the show is going to start making healthy decisions now? Do you, yes. do you look back? At Several people make healthy decisions, decisions this episode. Minerva leaves instead of being sacrificed to the wind gods. That's, That's one, one healthy decision. One. Yeah. All right, I'll think of some others. I'll think of some others. All you need is one healthy decision, they say. That's why I always eat. (laughs) Every morning I start the day with eating a pile of candy and one little piece of broccoli. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Smart. If you mix Um, it in there, you can barely taste it. Exactly. Ugh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mush it. I just take every candy bar on the rack, mush it into a big old soup, and jam a piece of broccoli in there. And then I start my day again uh, on the... Bed of a flatbed truck going 100 miles an hour watching Riverdale. Um, let me throw some other evidence for you, for your point, Alex. In Jughead's uh, trip, during his trip, mm-hmm. Jessica and Betty have the equal an equal amount of time. Like, I think he's equally traumatized by these relationships. We're aware of Bughead. We don't know anything about Jessica. But 
it, Betty is not more important to him and what happened to him you than what happened with mouth. Jessica. You I'm just saying. Watch th- your this, goddamn mouth. I'm not trying to infringe on your bughead um, uh, fandom, oh, Pete. But what I'm saying oh, is really because it seemed like when he sat down in the booth to talk to Tabitha that he talked a lot about Betty and he said, "Don't be a Betty." So he's not saying, "Don't be a Jessica." So don't try to marginalize the impact that Betty had on his life. Not marginalizing I, it in the I vision. I do think. This, hold this on, just to interrupt, Justin, because this is a ridiculous argument that we're having right now i do think that it's a crazy show betty as we know betty has more weight in these scenes and more time in these scenes certainly he sees the rat during his hallucination and i think that's how he sees betty potentially what Um, but i do think this is a a rat right now you didn't just call betty a rat he that's the whole scene she's talking about betraying him to archie I'm here for that's hashtag, exactly hashtag what, rat, That's how rat he head. thinks about her. I don't think no. about Betty that way. I don't think about the bughead uh, situation or the relationship that way. But I do think that's how Jughead feels about Betty at the current time. But oh the God. other thing that he's going to have to deal with, there's yeah, another piece of his trauma we don't know about. You see those two headlights coming at him. That could be potentially Jessica and Betty, this oncoming car of this relationship of how he's feeling. But I do think something else happened to him back in the day that he's going to have to deal with. But regardless, uh, he needs to move past these things to move on with his life. That's my point. Hashtag Radhead. Yeah. Pete is completely checked out of the podcast at this point. <laughs> I can't believe you just straight up fucking tried to call fucking Betty, or Betty a rat. And then Who's be the like, rat oh, yeah, it's- Is it Rabie from Ratatouille? Was that who was, he, it was, was just thing, a, he was you're a fucking crazy sex bunker? I'm sure there's rats all over the fucking place. Maybe uh, you want to in general, you want to keep rats out of your sex bunker for a lot of reasons. Um, <laughs> sure. And secondarily, sure. I think Alex is onto something. Maybe we need a rat to drive Jughead's brain so he can write better. Sort of a, a rat tattooing situation. Uh-huh. So that's who wrote. Uh-huh. That's who wrote it was the rat. That's yeah, why they. That's why it. Okay. that explains why Cole Sprouse has longer hair after the time jump because he needs mm-hmm. room for the rat to maneuver. Exactly, rat writer. That's what we're, we're coming up on something here. This is good. This because is the theories no that people want to hear. The <laughs> drugs that he ingested that any of anything that he written was coherent at all. Oh, before we jump forward, I have a question. Did Jughead do drugs in this episode, or did I do drugs and watch this episode? <laughs> I can't tell. Hard to tell, hard to tell. So that's the first scene of the episode that we just recapped, <laughs> in case you weren't clear. Moving on, Glenn and Betty are at the Five Seasons. Clearly, they have a restruck Why? up of their relationship here. Uh, he wants Awful. to know about their family, and we get this whole plot line this, as we're jumping all over the place with this recap right now. His big thing, which becomes very clear, I think, on second watch of the episode, is he is constantly pushing, getting to know more about her family, wanting to spend time with her family. And as we mentioned earlier, it's because he is writing his dissertation on the Cooper family, which feels like the sort of thing that maybe he should have told Betty earlier, just to throw it out there. Yeah, it It, seems like he's using Betty and, you know, she, in kind, stabbed him in the gut. I think it's fair. I think it's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, this is an interesting turn because I also, the way Glenn is acting, it does seem like he wants a relationship with Betty, oddly, in his own, like, Glenny way. So the dissertation thing, I was like, what? I mean, the whole, all the Glenn stuff. First off, Glenn starts the episode <laughs> in a, a robe, which is, it's not, you don't want to be making decisions in a robe. 
<laughs> That's the way I try to live my life. But the other thing Put about it, on. I make my best decisions in robes. What are you talking about? Glenn is arguably a more effective FBI agent than almost anybody we've seen on the show so far. Shut the fuck up. I mean, yes, that's definitely true. All the other FBI agents were lying fakers pretending to be FBI agents. He said, oh, there's 10 agents searching a highway. That's not happening. Over the course of the episode, the details that we get is, I love the line, this is an official investigation, no jugheads allowed. So funny. Very funny. And then he points out that the Lonely Highway is 200 miles long. Ten agents are searching. And he turns out to be completely right, you know, whatever his motives, to look into the Black Hood, to look into Hal Cooper and the tapes from Sherwood Asylum. No, people are getting killed on a fucking highway by truckers or whatever's going on. So you need to put more than just ten people on a fucking highway. I'll throw something else out at you. What is the difference between Glenn writing his dissertation on Betty, his ostensible girlfriend's family, and Jughead doing nothing but writing true stories that are thinly veiled about Betty and everybody else? No, that's a ridiculous comparison. If you want to compare something, say, what's the difference between Glenn and Chadwick? You know, they're all both really obsessed with uh, paperwork and not doing it. They're both very evil, very evil (laughs) partners who are doing nothing but destroying Mm. the person that they're with. (laughs) Those guys love paperwork. I I agree with you, Pete. Um, Yeah, that's their main characteristic. To answer your earlier question, Alex, I think the best FBI agent in this show was the guy pretending to be an FBI agent that tricked Archie. (laughs) Um, way back two seasons, two, three seasons ago. He was very good. Very good. I wish he got the most done. Yes, he definitely did. Uh, So that's what's going on with Glenn. Uh, Then we go over to Waldo talking to Kevin and Archie. They have a parent-teacher night. That's where we find out what's going on with Tony. And this is a really big deal. This is kind of make or break for Riverdale High at this point. Of course, it ends up being break because Hiram is semi-successful in his plan to send prisoners to invade the school and terrorize everybody. Uh, And then we go over to Pete's favorite aspect of the episode. Veronica calls Chadwick to sign some papers. What what did you think about that? This was awful the whole time. I'm like, Veronica, what are you doing? Why are you going to spend time with this psychopath who's been doing awful things behind your back the whole time and you keep ignoring it because you told him to die one time because he's evil as fuck and you called him out on his shit and now you feel bad for it? That's Who are you? I don't know. I mean, Veronica is a thing. Like, she cares for him. She's She is romanced by him in this episode. They must have had some good times because she falls for his... No, romance. If you notice, she realizes how good Chinese food is in New York City, and that's the only reason she stayed. Pete, I I actually, I do honestly think you're being very dismissive of Veronica's character here, because to Justin's point, everything she does makes sense. She is just horribly manipulated by some of the men in her life, Um, and. I mean, there's a couple, we can look at this a couple of different aspects. Hiram doesn't really play into it at this episode, but of course, this happened to her time and time again in a terrible way from her father, from Hiram. Chad completely manipulates her in this episode, and like Justin is saying, and has already been established, they run very hot 
Chad and Veronica. We didn't get to see their relationship, but clearly there was a passion with each other at some point that fell out. They got angry at each other. They come back. They break apart. They keep doing that and going through this pattern over and over. And Chad's not good. He's not a good guy. He's a bad guy, in fact, and he's doing terrible things. But he has trapped her in this relationship, and it's not her fault. She, if anything... I think is being a good person and trying to see the best in Chad over the course of that night, remembering things like the time they went to the London dungeon on their first date, which I would argue very good first date. Good on Chad. What? That's a fun place to go. Oh my God. Yeah. Very romantic. <laughs> I yeah. can't even, you said such crazy shit. I can't even. No, I mean, it's, I, I don't, I think it's very easy to blame Veronica for this, but it is not I'm her not fault. I'm not blaming she, Veronica. I just yeah. want her to get the fuck out of there. I'm not. Uh, me too. Veronica Everybody she's does. trying. Yeah. She's trying. She needs to get back and start dating. I don't know. Um, Dr. Curdle Jr. How about that? <laughs> Archie, you fuck. Well, she oh, also Archie. needs to no, be Archie's the one thing I do blame her for. Yeah. The one thing I do blame her for, though, is not laying it all out for Archie at the end of the episode. He gets pissed about her going to Chadwick towards the beginning. At the end, she calls him after she's been manipulated by Chad and doesn't tell him everything that's going on. And that's something that I think. Maybe that's part because she knows he would immediately drop everything, come down to New York, and yeah, beat the shit would. out of you Chad. Got, you got damn right he would. But also, if they do want to have a more adult relationship, I think she needs to open up to him, explain what's going on, and then they can try to figure it out together rather than her putting it all on herself. Yeah. Yes. She needs to get the fuck out of there. Is what she, do you see the way she's, trying to. she's poured, trying to get divorced from him? Poured wine, the way she looked at that wine and then looked at his glass because his glass was already poured. Like, that's, come on. But she here's doesn't the thing. trust the guy. Veronica, like, we can move on after, I, after we say this, but like, Veronica is someone who, like, she's always fighting for the people in her life. And she, like, she really believes in them. And I think you know, even if Chad's a villain, she believes in him or believed in their relationship at one point. And like on the running hot and cold, like they were all caught up in like uh, Wall Street, she wolf of Wall Street, all that stuff. It feels like that's tied in their relationship, the highs and lows, the gambling nature of it. And so it's very hard for her, I think, to give up on stuff. Look at the way she got back. She saw Archie. She's like, I'm going to go back to buying him something he wants. And then our their relationship kicked off like despite not dealing with literally any of the baggage that both of them have. She's still married, and she's like, I'm going to buy Archie this fire truck, and we're going to start kissing in the school again. Well, speaking of which, I will say the one thing that I really do not necessarily blame them for, but thought was hilariously weird was Chad being like, I got these secret pictures of you two kissing in the middle of the football field after the football game where everybody (laughs) was. Ha ha. Which, mind you, yes, he could bring up in court in divorce proceedings, but at the same time, I was like, "Ah, I could have taken those pictures. Chadwick, how did you hire a private detective to do this? He's like, I pulled this from your social media, Veronica. I'm so sorry. (laughs) It was very obvious you were making out with Archie. It was all hashtag Varchie, so I just clicked through that. Hashtag Varchie, hashtag endgame, hashtag don't show this in court, Chadwick. (laughs) <laughs> then we go over to Cheryl and Minerva frolicking among the maple trees. Uh, <laughs> such a funny wow. shot. So funny. So funny. Uh, this was the point, like, I'm, ne- I'm not going to be a shooter of a ch- shipper necessarily, but it was very funny seeing them together, and clearly they're having a good time. They discover the maple trees are empty, which 
Is it really a thing that <laughs> no. happens? <laughs> no. no, definitely not. Like empty. Where did it go? Sap is what keeps the tree alive. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if you were like, oh, don't talk. Something's wrong with Archie. He's no blood. He's out of blood. <laughs> we need to get some. We need to pray so we get some more blood into Archie. Yeah. Uh, so the maple trees are empty. She has a very funny line where she says, I'm shooketh, which was hilarious. Uh, and that uh, Nana says that the curse has sucked the maple trees dry and they must pray, leading to the new religious storyline that's coming where it looks like, uh, not to jump ahead for the promo, Penelope is starting up a religion based around wind or maple trees or something. Good. It feels very pagan. The The pagan diorama or whatever they have laid out on their table that they pray over later, I was like, this is very well art directed for a group of crazy people. <laughs> <laughs> Jughead gets a landline phone call on his cell phone based on the ring. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> this whole thing, the agent, Mr. New York City, the hot dog agent being like, hey, hey, Jughead, I got a, a pigeon hey, just dropped a note in my lap. you switch your styles last minute and start writing like Stephen King. No big deal. I'm a fish eating this hot dog. <laughs> Hey, I just, I just got out of a taxi cab with Broadway tickets. Going to go have a rat jump on my shoulder. Ne- never sleep. New York. Bye. <laughs> hey, Jughead, he, just a quick thought. Why don't you completely change who you are as a person for this meeting coming up? I think that's a good idea. Excuse me. I got to grab a slice of pizza and eat it folded like this. Say. Hey. <laughs> I love that guy. I love Sam. I He's do my too. favorite I, new character. Such a fun <laughs> cutaway. Hey, this seems only 20 seconds, so I better say all this New York stuff real fast. Bye-bye. <laughs> so Jughead has to pop out some new pages for Pop Culture Weekly, so he's kind of concerned about that. Then we go back to Reggie. Uh, he gives his loyalty back to Hiram, and Hiram reveals his Come plan. On, Reg. Which, g- despite how it's executed, Hiram's plan is remarkably reasonable, I thought. The fact what? that he's mining for palladium, a real metal... And trying yeah. to get it out of the ground was like, oh, okay, he wants to mine under Riverdale. That's it. It's not he's what working with it? the mole people and the mothmen to do whatever. It's just oh. he wants to mine some metal and become rich. Pete, what? Oh, okay. I thought I was I thought you were dismissing the fact that he's literally like taking people's land and burning it. Like that's you know, that's not a normal thing. No, like I'm saying, the execution of his plan is very ridiculous and very Riverdale, but the actual plan itself to get rich mining for palladium is fine. I thought it was remarkably sure. It's crazy to introduce how much of that is suddenly underneath the ground. And I'll, in a, in a show where there's so many names tailored to the show, the fact that they said palladium, I was like, Huh, okay. Oh, sure. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you guys could come up with anything or what happened there? Really caught me off guard there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just called it what it was. <laughs> Why? <laughs> uh, so then we go over to Archie's storyline. As we mentioned, General Taylor is visiting Archie, says he was nominated for a Silver Eagle for savoring Corporal Jackson. Archie doesn't feel right about it, though, and then immediately takes it to the people who would know best, his students, and asks them about <laughs> following orders without questions right in front of his general. Good lesson, Archie. That poor class, that poor class is so emotionally uh, leaned upon. It's really, it's tough, man. That is a tough class. 
Yeah. We get a couple of scenes before that, though. Jughead hasn't written anything. He tells Stephen King to go screw himself. Not very nice. <laughs> and then Betty and Glenn are listening to tapes. And as mentioned, it turns out that there is a bit of connection there because Hal, after not getting any from Alice, started to connect with women on Ned's list, which is the same way the women on the Lonely Highway are making connections. So a tenuous mm. connection. But perhaps there is actually something there. And Glenn so might can't... be onto something with murders happening for decades at this point. You can't I say Craigslist, is... but you can say Palladium. Okay, cool, 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 cool. This was interesting um, in that um, it was something that feels like a larger story that is not touched upon again. Mm-hmm. Um, but like connecting how back to this. I'm just curious how this is going to sort of open up. They sort of say here that the person who's doing these killings is older. And there aren't a ton mm-hmm. of older characters on this show currently. So I do think, I do think, and this is just pure speculation, mind you, but I do think what we get here is a tease that, like Glenn says, Hal doesn't fit into this pattern of the Cooper family with the serial killer gene, so why does he kill people? I think we're going to get a retcon about the Black Hood and how he's part of potentially a bigger serial killer cult or a murder cult or something like that, something having to do with the Lonely Highway, something to do with Ned's List. They casually said an assortment of killers. So yes. that was like a thing that it seems like maybe uh, could be potentially. Yeah, potentially. Uh, but we'll have to see. It's sort of the beginning of this thing. And it does make a lot of sense for Riverdale to keep tying back to its own past and mining there for its own palladium, which is craziness. So then we go over to Veronica's Julie store, which is open. It looks very nice. She gets looks a- great. Gets the pick of her and Archie kissing. Uh, and then we get the new biggest ship in Riverdale that everybody is super hot for. I'm talking, of course, about hashtag Naki. Reggie comes to visit Nana, gives him some flowers. What are we thinking? So sweet. Are uh, you, Pete, I'll ask you first, are you team Naggy or team Papa Nana? <laughs> Pop Tate and Nana from the seventies flashback a couple of episodes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm Papa Nana. Your hashtag Papa Nana team. You yeah. want Pop Tate to get back with Nana? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> no explanation. That'll be <laughs> I don't know what they're what are they gonna talk about? Nana seems like she uh has a lot of different ideas about what reality is. <laughs> um, Wait, what about you, so Justin? Yeah, what's up, Justin? Oh, I like, stand on this? I, I like Reggie really stepping up on the romantic front. And sure, he's into older women. But Reggie also seems like he's happy to shift his loyalty whenever and wherever it seems important. So uh, let's, uh, what'd you call it? So you, I say uh, Naggy. Hashtag Naggy. Na- I say Naggy's, Naggy's where it's at. Naggy's mm-hmm. Endgame. Naggy oh, Endgame. And Naggy and it's going to be a pretty short Endgame because Nana doesn't have a lot of years left. Let's oh, come on, man. You don't know that. Don't put that out there. Then we get to one of my favorite offhand comments in the episode. Betty and Alice are frosting two cakes for the birthday party, and Betty very dismissively says, I don't know why Juniper and Dagwood can't share a cake, <laughs> which <Yeah. laughs> that's, that's me mean. Laugh. It's very mean. That's the biggest piece of evidence that this is dark, Betty. Uh, <laughs> that she's like, one cake for these two children? What world are you living in, Betty? Come on. What are you talking about? Every kid gets a cake on their birthday. Share a cake with your brother or sister. It's not a big deal. (laughs) Um, But I like that quite a bit. And then uh, we get 
Uh, wait, what happened? Oh, so then Jughead and Tabitha talk. She apologizes for kissing him. He explains about Betty and Jessica. And then he sets up the maple mushrooms. Uh, what did you guys think about this plot line in total maple mushrooms and everything going on there? I, I just don't understand how you could eat maple mushrooms after you were just delivered a maple alien. So, I mean, kudos to Jughead for being able to get over that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that, uh, the show is insane. Um, I like this. Um, I like that Jughead's like, yeah, I only really write now when I'm tripping balls. I have no control over how to write. I don't know how to write. What is writing? It's my best stuff is when I'm tripping my face off. Um, so I think this is fun. I thought like Jugatha, they're, they're like, yeah, I can't believe I tried to kiss you. And I was like, you kissed. That was a successful kiss. It's not a try. <laughs> Uh, so let's just stop saying that. And the, the I love the idea of like um, a grizzled cop um, in New York City being like, "Would you find on that dealer?" And he's like, "Another cache of maple mushrooms. <laughs> we have to take this guy. These hard. Do you think dealers. is there any chance that Cuomo is going to legalize maple mushrooms at this point? We just got marijuana, so I, I think there's yeah, a possibility. Slow your rolls, Alps. One thing at a time here. Let's uh, get this marijuana straightened out, and then you know, then we can open it up. Shame you moved to a state that won't be doing that, Pete. Big mistake for Pete LePay. <laughs> Uh We got it here first, bro. Why do you think I moved? Ooh, damn. Oh, damn. Been legal here. You're going to have a, a maple mushroom Philly cheesesteak? Oh, had it already. How crazy in the tapes um, from Hal that he was like, and then I met these women on Ned's list. They were sucking <laughs> on a cheesesteak. <laughs> Inside that's joke. A, that's uh, a deep cut for anybody who doesn't attend our live show, but there you yeah. go. Um, I also think that Cuomo will say anything right now, so he probably will legalize maple mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit of... New York politics for all of you. Okay, moving <laughs> on. Archie is mad about Veronica going back to visit Chad. She talks about the accident and tells him all about it and promises that she is going to go stay with Katie in Washington Heights, Katie Keene, and not, yeah, yeah, uh, not Shut in it. fact, stay with Chad as she does, not, unfortunately. Uh. Uh, and then we get another big event. Juniper and Dagwood push the kid down the stairs. Alice and Betty sit down to talk to them about it. Again, on the normal names front, the kid that they pushed down is named Jerry, which <laughs> struck me as, like, surprisingly weird. He's not yes. like Jerry Ju- Jumpin' Flash or whatever. See, I felt the opposite. I was like, a child named Jerry? What year is it? <laughs> <laughs> Jerry? The child, is he a mouse with a bow tie? And if not, that kid's not named Jerry. Yeah. Somebody's a Seinfeld fan. And then it turns out Dagwood Jerry. at least can talk. <laughs> We get a line from Dagwood, so he got the talking genes from Polly, which is very nice. Didn't get them from Jason. <laughs> wow. Uh, so that's very cool. Uh, then we go over to Cheryl, who shouts at Nana about the groves. Um, Cheryl doesn't Wait. believe in curses and tears out the contracts. Yes, Pete. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt, but that look that the kids do was very clearly like, yeah, we don't care if the kid dies, right? You guys are I mean, I think that was that. the implication that they're sort of nonplussed about it, but... Yeah, they don't the have whole remorse. Point, yeah, but they are without remorse coming to Prime Video starring Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, I think they're no, trying to say, like, these kids may have the, the serial killer gene. They may be so have right. these sociopathic tendencies. But yeah. I think the point of the episode is they are on the line and they could go either way, which is what Betty really pushes at the end of the episode. And Charles... 
again, to his credit, uh, sort of accepts. Like, he knows that. Yeah. Um, and I that's just, why he and Chick are going to eventually save Riverdale. Oh, stop, stop. The true stop heroes together. are back, and they're stop, together forever. Stop. Don't open that up until we get there, please. Okay, first off. Have you ever seen a better, more beautiful married couple in your life? Because I <laughs> Oh, my God. Honestly, stop Pete, it. you're the only one of us not married. I think you should go do what Charles and Chick did. I thought it was a beautiful ceremony. Um, and I love a wedding at gunpoint. <laughs> It really oh, gives you a power. It gives you Shotgun control. wedding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I just think that um, if those one of those kids can talk, why wasn't immediately Betty like, let's talk about you floating over the goddamn fire. Do you remember that? What's going on? Like, come on, man. <laughs> Pete, in, a, in an episode as crazy as this, and you're like, I better go back and deal with this other crazy thing that we've, yeah. dear God, left by the wayside for a change. I think. We're floating babies, for Christ's sakes. We can't forget about it. Yeah, someday they'll float again, and I'm sure we'll see that. But yeah, Cheryl's Cheryl's moment, like, I loved Cheryl being Cheryl when she was ripping up that contract in Rage. Yeah, very fun. Yep. Uh, Jughead calls Speedy to get Maple Mushrooms, finally a good name. Uh, Also, it struck me at this point, what happened to his creditors? Did he pay them off? Or what's going on with that? I definitely don't think so. He doesn't have money. When the drugs, when the maple mushrooms do come, he's like, spot me, uh, ex-girlfriend. Yeah, I, I mean, came all the way up to Riverdale from the city, it's and you're going like, to be like, spot me? Yeah. <laughs> well, why not? Uh, Glenn and Betty have dinner. He wants to meet the kids. Turns out he's doing the dissertation called Family of Darkness. Oh, uh, my God. Sorry, Family real quick. Yes, of you Darkness. Over this, you over oh, we did. The, our, yes. With Archie, Archie getting a call from the New York Times. The New York New Times York writer Times. named Sarah Bellum. Am I getting that right? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Uh, great naming. Um, and we do learn. Dirty mission. We do learn dirty mission that he fought in Uzbekistan. Do you know what? I didn't get the Sarah Bellum thing until you said it out loud. <laughs> oh, nice. Good. Yeah. Thanks. So there you go. <laughs> He asked you something else, though. You were still thinking about Yeah, wait. About no, no, no. It took me a second. It was going through my own cerebellum as that slowly oh, traveled hey, forward. Like, what is out. that? What are you getting, yeah. huh? <laughs> what was your question? Uh, I say we find out that Archie fought in Uzbekistan. Oh, I missed that as well because I was so distracted by the cerebellum. <laughs> you missed thing. it twice. You've missed <laughs> yeah, it twice man. now. Wow. Uh, Alex, you know, wow. Pete talked about how his Your brain's broken. Your cerebellum is broken, dude. You ta- he talked about his brain's broken. I was like, this is so crazy. Your brain might be the broken one. Your cerebellum, specifically. Cerebellum. Oh, my God. Yeah, I get it. I'm like oh that kid God. at the end of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids saying, oh, French class. French class. See, I can remember that, but not things we just talked about. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just play it back from the beginning. Yeah. So Glenn and Betty have dinner. He wants to be the kids. He writes this dissertation. Um, Glenn, you need me to find your sister. And besides, aren't we having a good time here? And she slaps him. Very well deserved. Yeah, that was so great. I wish she would have shot him in the leg. But man, I was so happy with that slap. It felt great. And then we get, uh, I thought, oh, hold on a a really, I, I did think yeah. they had, I found their dinner to be oddly nice and it felt like maybe Betty does have some relationship what? going here. Um, no, 
No, that was an awkward ass dinner. What the fuck are you talking about? It, it was, was nice basically dinner. Glenn being like, I'm a creepy fuck this whole time. For and sure. She but like, she's, at the beginning of the dinner, it felt like a, it was a little bit of a date. And I'm just saying that seems odd for her to do if she truly hated him across the board. I don't think she truly hates she, him. I think she is. She's there. trying to find out about her fucking cat and what's going on. You got to. She doesn't care. She definitely wants to know about Toffee. Weird that she hasn't asked, but she, I I think she's there. Like, it's one of those relationships like, yeah, I'm in a relationship with this guy. That's fine. Yeah. And as we know, know, Toffee is in Glenn's briefcase with the front end. Front is filled with food (laughs) and the back is filled with litter. And the cat is just happy in the briefcase. Um, I also thought. The cat is the co-author of the dissertation. Yes, exactly. I mean, Toffee has a lot of firsthand evidence. Um. And I think Glenn was is a uh, watching this scene. I was like, that's an Adam Driver looking dude. And I think they cast him on purpose as a marriage story reference. Oh, interesting. I feel right. like he looks like he looks like an uh, an Adam Driver type to me. Huh? I didn't really get that. No, but if we no. see him punch a wall at any point, I will get it. It's coming. Oh, here we go. Yeah. So we do get this really nice scene, as I was mentioning. Archie talks to Uncle Frank in jail about General Taylor. I really like the vibes here. It sort of gave off a Jughead talking to FP back in jail deal where it was, you know, the grizzled old guy giving advice to the young newbie. Um, but they have Don't a nice real, relationship. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. I feel real bad for Uncle Frank because, like, Archie's like, hey, I'm here for my information. Uh, oh, by the way, how you doing? I'm not good, Archie. Uh, things aren't good here. It's, I think there's going to be a riot. Oh, I got to go. Good luck with that. Well, he, Archie has to go to the biggest, most high-stakes parent-teacher night in the history of Riverdale. Yeah, if Archie doesn't yeah. show up for that, everybody's And that was before dead. the prison break. <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards, the, the tension diffused a little bit. They were like, oh, 100%. thank God, we don't have to give this tour anymore. Yeah. So Hiram toasts to Reggie. Cheryl comes in. Very fun scene here. Again, explains that Nata Rose was declared legally senile half a decade ago. Great scene for Cheryl. This is great. Very fun. And Hiram wants Reggie to fix it no matter what the cost. We get that Jessica scene that we mentioned earlier. I've actually declared both of you legally senile just in case it comes up. (laughs) You're never getting my maple groves. (laughs) Veronica Um, comes over. My oh, two God. friends have broken cerebellums, so it worked. <laughs> Wait, what? Sarah, what? Huh? Oh, my God. So Veronica comes over to Chad's apartment. He's ordered Chinese food. Very quick. Favorite Chinese place in New York that if your greatest enemy ordered for you, you'd be like, all right, I'll stay, I guess. Do you remember that place we went with uh, Jordan D. White that one time? Uh when we were, af- I think it was like after a show. Oh, yeah. That place was good. Yeah. That's my, like, oh, I couldn't believe how great that was. Yeah. I mean, the place we used to go to after our shows, um, I think Vanessa's Dumpling House. It's not oh, uh, yeah, straight that, up oh, Chinese food, but dumplings were so we good. used to go there. It was so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not open anymore, but Talda in Park Slope. Oh, Del yeah. Talda's place. So good. They had these pretzel dumplings dip in spicy mustard. Amazing. They good used style. to do... Breakfast ramen, I believe, right? Oh, that was so good, too. Yes. Yeah. Great brunch spot. Yeah. Love that place. Uh, There you go. And then we get another tasty treat as Tabitha makes a maple mushroom cheeseburger for Jughead, which is very on brand for Jughead. I I want that. I'd eat that. Yeah. Would you eat that, Pete? Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, That was really a lot of fun. 
And then Chad and Veronica reminisce, as we mentioned earlier. They have their first date at the Lunge and Dungeon. Their wedding song plays. They dance. She asks him straight up about the accident and whether he caused it. And he says, no, of course I didn't, which means he did, right? 100% yeah. did. Lingering shot right in his too. eyes. That dude crashed a helicopter. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. But she kisses him anyway, and then Hiram blows oh. up the prison, and we're now halfway through the episode, but things go wildly out of control at this point. I mean, this this whole sequence with the prison blowing up in a cartoon fashion, and then Reggie seemingly setting himself on fire as he's burning the grove down, I was like, I, this uh, is oh wild. Okay, so I just, there was a moment in the dance where Veronica was like, hey, you know, I worry about you, like, us being together forever. Like, you would have killed us that way. We would have been together forever. And he was just like, oh, you just called me out of my shit. Like, that kind of, like, awkward thing was killing me. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's fine. Uh, now we get to the real action. What? <laughs> Burning down and exploding. Uh, Archie yeah. and Kevin are giving the tour. Kevin is coaching the Glee Club, uh, which very bummed we didn't get to see that. Would have loved to see yep. his Mr. Shoe style performance going on there. The mm-hmm. lights go off, at which point the doorbell rings at Juniper and Dagwood's birthday party and enter the heroes of Riverdale. Charles Stop. is there. So is Chick. Love the scene. Uh, loved- I loved them walking in. This must have been when they were writing this just a moment to savor. Bringing back these guys looking good since the time jump. Like Chick, oh longer God. hair, feels like prison. They're really luxuriating in prison. Prison's doing them right. I thought it was so funny. And Chicks, hi, Betty, did you miss me? Perfectly uh, delivered. So good. Great. Honestly, and the way this scene unfolded where it was like, Alice is like, oh, yeah, I've been visiting uh, these guys in prison a lot. Oh, yeah, I'm an ordained minister because I'm going to marry them in prison. Oh, I'm going to marry them here now that they've broken out of prison. No questions asked. Uh, That's me. I'm Alice. She was making a large tray of sandwiches anyway, so it was fine that there was company. Exactly. Got the just, cold cut supply in Riverdale dangerously low. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I don't know so what to say funny. here. My, my brain broke. So this was all just I sat there with my mouth open. So funny. And like you're saying, Alice was so great at all of this stuff. Um, also, shout out to the lighting on the Archie fight scenes in the high school. Yes. It felt very, I don't remember whether he actually colored, so I'm probably crediting the wrong person, but it felt very Francesco Francavia to me, who did the art for Afterlife with Archie, the same sort of like very stark angles going on, uh, which I thought was really cool. Uh, And these fight scenes are great. Just prisoners come in. They're very beefy. They all take it to Archie. He slams them all over the school. Kevin almost gets shot, which is also right out of an Archie comic that's uh, kind of a shout out to the death of Archie comic that happened in life with yep. Archie, though they do it in a very different way. Uh, Archie stops the prisoner with a machete. Kevin gets that machete. Wild sequence across the board. This is all very fun. Oh, I love the prisoners are like, we're out of jail. Let's go rob the richest people in town. Teachers. Let's go to the high school. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got was revealed they were paid to go rob yeah, I know. the high but school. But at this point, it just very funny to me. The prisoners like, let's go fuck up that school. We got to get some of those expensive books they have there. <laughs> they are they are very pricey. If you ever gone back to school, it costs True. It's really. Yeah, a but racket. if you try to resell those books, it's unbelievable. Even if, if it's not the, open, they won't give you full price. If the Palladium thing doesn't work out for Hiram, he should definitely look into college textbooks. 
Mm. I, I would get so pissed because after they ripped me off, they'd be like, do you want a lollipop? I'd be like, go fuck yourself. Yeah, I want a lollipop. This feels like a personal story, and I don't know what you're talking about, Pete. <laughs> you never got upset when you, you tried to sell your books why back? Are you, why are they giving you a lollipop at the, the campus bookstore? Because they were Oh, you went to school in um, Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You were Lots of things going you graduated back and forth. <laughs> uh, we get a setup of the general and Archie sort of disagreeing here, playing off of that storyline earlier. Uh, then we go over to Alice marrying Chick and Charles. Glenn oh enters. God. He's what? pretty surprised because Charles and Glenn went to the FBI Academy <laughs> together. And they talk about... That the whole family is there. Very funny line from Chick where he says, the hell, I don't count. And then Charles oh. says, of course you do, babe. I loved all this. Um, I mean, first off, this is going to crush his term paper. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a great dissertation. What a great ending. Also, it struck me during the scene, Jughead's like, God, I just can't come up with any ideas for a story. I was like, Jughead, <laughs> go over to the Cooper house. You live yeah. there. This shit going Talk to down, literally dude. any of your friends. Yeah, call your friends, Jughead. <laughs> Jesus Christ, on. Jughead. Do you care at all about checking in with your friends? The place is literally on fire. That is pretty hilarious, actually, that Jughead's storyline this episode, other than the alien abduction and everything, is he's like, oh, God, this girl wants to kiss me, and I'm just sitting in a bunker and eating cheeseburgers. Yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. Very classic. I also think this show, this episode, has really set up the Charles and Chick spinoff that we've all been waiting mm-hmm. for. Charles and I Chick want... in charge? Exactly. They're both in charge. I mean, except for what happens at the end of the episode. But the middle of the episode, definite spinoff. Yeah. I want a, a spinoff where there is, uh, there's a twin brother of Chick because Chick is uh, stabbed to death. And, Chick uh, and the reveal. It, there's like a a nice chick, and we get to see that. So you guys uh, are chick happy. Chick is one hundred percent alive at the end of the episode. We don't find out about him, but there is no chance he's dead. No way, chick. Yeah, is no, dead. he's dead because we got the phone call later, and she doesn't mention chick because chick is dead. <laughs> How would that line have worked? How would it possibly? Glenn survived that flesh wound. He's fine. Also, Charles should recover. Betty also, chick threw is fine. a knife into chick. It hit him in the chest. Chick. Well, ain't, Charles Chick got ain't shot back in the center that. of the chest too, and he's gonna. That's be where right. the heart is. That's where the heart <laughs> is. I thought for sure Charles was dead, but yeah, let me. Too. So they we we see Pincushion Man, which gets fucked up fast. I was like, fast. oh my god, this is so <laughs> intense. Just handing a baby a giant knife. I couldn't. I was like, this show shouldn't be on television. This is not right. Betty takes the knife from Juniper from Baby Juniper. Great. Know that was gonna and then Betty's like, I'm going to get us out of this. I'm going to turn the tables on these guys. Yeah. And I could do it right now before I stab Glenn, or I could stab Glenn and then do it. <laughs> and she makes firmly makes a choice. She does, There's no reason she had to stab Glenn. Uh, there's a couple of reasons to stab Glenn for sure. She could have easily just thrown the knife one. at Chick before. She could have mimed stabbing Glenn. The knife is in him, right? Cats, like she pulls the knife. Does she pull the knife out of Glenn and then throw it at yeah, Chick? Yeah, throws it yes. into Chick. So, yeah, you could have cut a step out there. Definitely. The stabbing. Or she's yeah. like, oh, I better warm this knife up by shoving it in Glenn. No, you got to knife is revving to go. This. I'll throw it at Chick across the room. <laughs> <laughs> but that's great. I love that, too. That was wait, 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 so wait, wild. Justin, what, you, what, Pete? Do you think you need to warm up a knife? You you can't just stab somebody. You got to stab somebody first to warm it up. Is that what you're exactly? Saying? It's like when you start your car in the winter a little bit earlier, and then you go drive somewhere. You don't need to do that with you, knives. You, you, just, you, you, just, you stab one car so that you can drive the other car. 
Yeah, I don't have keys. I just use a knife and kind of fiddle in there a little bit. So, yeah, uh, the Cooper Smith ladies take down Charles and Chick. Great action scene here after the pincushion man. Um, Also love the line, not to skip over it, rotten hell, Glenn, (laughs) which seemed very sincere, regardless of anything. And then we go over to Jughead, who is shirtless. We get a clear view of his tattoos, including his weird sideways uh, crown tattoo. I thought it was flat, but I guess not. Yeah, but there you go. Uh, he's got, also got a cartoon hot dog and a cartoon alien, as we established earlier on the podcast. Uh, Tabitha arrives. They dance. Jughead has already completed the first part of his book, and he has the line to her: "Don't be such a Betty. The first sign of fun, and you kill it." That, okay, all right, all right. Wait, first bad off, news gotta, for Bughead. We got wait. First off, we got to back up the truck a little bit. Okay, so she leaves Jughead, and Jughead's in his home somewhere, right? And then she. Somehow finds Jughead later in the sex bunker. What are you talking about? No, she left him in the sex bunker and then came back to the sex bunker. Really? No, yeah. no, no. She no, she found him in the sex bunker and then chained him to the sex bunker. But he didn't. He was start. in the sex bunker like, no. the entire mushroom trip. That's where he got the burger. Yeah. Really? That yeah. was mm-hmm. okay. I thought he ended. I was like, don't Holy try to shit. make the show more confusing, Pete. Yeah. Well, that's the way I thought it happened. So I do all me, my I'm best sorry. writing in sex bunkers that I used to have sex with my ex in. Wow. Okay. That's a it's lot more of an ex bunker. It's more of an ex bunker than a sex bunker. Let's be honest. Nice. Okay, all right. But have you ever just waken up the next day and there is a perfectly written thing that was never there before? Well, so yeah, here's how, the. I, I don't do. know if they were making this reference, but. Given that they brought up Stephen King here, that's what Stephen King used to do on cocaine. Like, he's been pretty open about that in interviews where he's like, I took a bunch of cocaine and then a day later there was Carrie. Yeah. You know, like, legitimately, most of his early novels were like that. Yeah. What? You you just look at the page count and you know, like, oh, this guy does cocaine. There's no. Yep. Yeah. That's true of all writers. If they write more than 100 pages, they're coked up. Well, not more than a hundred pages, but I mean, you know, it's he's his books are crazy bigger than anybody else. Well, but the, so uh, I don't remember exactly which ones it is, but like uh, Carrie and uh, Cujo and uh, the Christine, earlier ones, the, th- the three C's are definitely ones like they're shorter, they're nastier books, they're much quicker, they're great books, but also he was completely high the entire time. So it wasn't mushrooms, but I think that's what they were riffing off of. Yep, the three C's, because oh. there are three C's in cocaine, at least there are when you're on it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Give me three that's C's in uh, cocaine, I always yeah. say to my doctor. Cocaine, cocaine. Uh, I initially thought maybe he was hallucinating this when Tabitha came in and handcuffed him, but I don't think so, right? No, that was that real. was actually happening. And honestly, very risky with all those candles going. Not what you want to do. Yeah. Also, like he had this is a reoccurring thing. Like he's been chained to a fridge. Now he's been chained mm. to a sex bunker. I mm-hmm. mean, it keeps happening to him. It does. And speaking of things keeping happening to him, we touched on it earlier, but this is where he hallucinates Jessica and then hallucinates high school Betty, who apologizes for really messing up. They, I loved another little note, like literal little note, but they had this very hallucinatory, messed up bughead theme happening in the background there, which was very creepy. Yeah. And very awesome. He sees the rat. He sees headlights. He sees the Mothman. We see the Mothman very clearly for the first time here. Uh, and uh, by the time, just to jump ahead, Jughead wakes up in the bunker later on. He's written episode four, The Transubstantiation. Light comes down in the bunker. 
He goes towards it. But at the end of the episode, when Tabitha comes back, there's bloody handcuffs. Do you think Jughead has lost a head? Um, that no. would be that amazing. would be wild. No, that would be amazing for the whole rest of the time. He's got to go one hand. Oh my god! I mean, he they've done it on shows mind. before. Lots of shows. I I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think they would. No, mangle him so badly, but uh, he probably like broke his hand to get out or something like that. But there's a I lot just of blood dragged there. it. Yeah. A lot of blood. Um, but if he gets an attachment, if he did, did lose his hand, I feel like you get a little like burger holder for the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we go oh back to Cheryl and Minerva. They're dancing. As we mentioned earlier, Penelope comes back, tells her the maple groves are on fire. And <laughs> the dialogue here, the, I cackled. No, no. Yeah, the dialogue. I mean, she's like, nightmare child, turn around, let's go to the window. Like, that whole thing, just her entrance, she gets the nightmare child in there and then was like, "We, there's a giant fire you guys are missing. Unbelievable. And the curse, the curse of our ancestors demands a living blossom must die unless we kill the interloper. And as we mentioned earlier, the oh, hell no. And Min Min, wait. Very funny. Very cute. I love when uh, Penelope called. And it it fucking works. I love when Penelope calls um, uh, Cheryl Nightmare Child, like endearingly. Like that's just her name now. It's very great. Um, And then we go over to. Well, that's the thing. Yes. Yes, You know, it's. Because there's all three of them praying who's the one who did it. Because it seemed like Cheryl looked up early, so it was almost like maybe she doesn't have the power. And then the camera went to uh, to Grandma there. So I feel like maybe Grandma has the wind powers? What, what are you really what are you drilling about? down on whose <laughs> prayer was answered? I did love Dada's praying, which she was definitely speaking in tongues at that point. I was trying to read yeah. her lips a little bit, and she was clearly like, oh, very well. Good stuff. Can't wait to follow that storyline. That'll be nice and reasonable until Tony gets back from her bed rest. <laughs> and then we go over to Veronica and Chad, who talk. Turns out he didn't sign the papers. In fact, was putting an investment did. scheme put the jewelry store up and essentially blackmails Veronica into staying into a relationship oh, with him. Yeah. Horrible. horrible. Absolutely horrible. Poor Veronica. As we mentioned earlier, she calls Archie, says she's staying in New York. He says, fine, have fun. And hangs up yeah. on her. Uh, and also I'm with Archie, anyway. we get the setup of this few good men thing. I mean, of course Archie's upset. Like, he was afraid this was happening. He was worried it was going to happen. It was all part of Chad's evil plan. He saw it coming a mile away. So how is he supposed to react? No, I, I'm just saying the delivery on fine, have fun was funny okay. to me. That's okay. it. And, but also, Archie doesn't know anything about the scheme scam and yeah. all that. He's just like, okay, do whatever you need to do. And I think he's going to obviously devalue their relationship with Veronica. And maybe there's another person on the show he could you know, reignite a passion for. Nana Blossom? 100%. That's what I'm talking yeah, about. Get that classic... Uh, triangle. triangle, love triangle, yeah, yeah. from Reggie the comics, or Reggie, or yeah, and Archie and Nana Blossom. We all know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So many issues, I would just be up late In this reading. Show, who would question it? Yeah. yeah. So Archie tells the general that he won't take the medal. The general says, "Well, I'll make you a traitor." Setting up the few good men episode. We're definitely getting down the road. I can't wait. I feel like they could have even said. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Archie, but I'm, I'm almost thinking that maybe you can't handle the truth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, I don't know if you know, there are men on these walls. 
Archie, did you know about a that? A few of them. There are a few of them. Yeah. And they're pretty good. There are a few good yes. men. Then we get it uh, over to one of the big highlights of the episode, completing the trilogy. Archie and Frank are eating Tostitos. Completing the trilogy yes. started with Hiram's Doritos, continued with Jughead's Lay's, and finally we get some nice Tostitos scoops going on. Good chip. Good for getting salsa. So I appreciated that. Jackson comes down. A lot of flannel going on in this house right now. Uh, and we get a tease that Mary is going to try to get Uncle Frank out on parole. So very nice scene across the board. I think it's crazy that he's just out. He's just like, yeah, I broke out of jail, but I was nice. So I'm li- I live here now. <laughs> That's how it works. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Anybody listening to this in prison, just, you know, walk out the hole in the wall and you'll be good to go. That's some legal advice for the Riverdale After Dark podcast. That's not. Nope. No, no. That's one person. Legally binding. Legally binding. No. Nope. And a couple of other quick scenes to wrap things up here. Reggie tells Hiram that the groves are partially burned, and we find out that Riverdale High is closed. They're very happy about that. We go over to Alice, who is reading the bad seed, which is very funny. Yes, Pete? What? Wait. Okay. The Hiram just being like, today was a good day. I mean, uh, just, he had to get the script and be like, I get to do a countdown to a bomb and then do the the old uh, today was a good day ice cube reference. Come on, he's killing it It on this show. I love that, like, this freak windstorm that came up. (laughs) Good stuff. Uh, As we mentioned, Alice is reading The Bad Seed uh, to find out more about what's going on with Juniper and Dagwood. Glenn has a flesh wound. Charles in the ICU. We don't know about Chick. But Betty tells Alice that they've moved the Lonely Highway investigation up to Derry. So they're going to probably start looking into some missing kids and clowns and things going on there. Another Stephen King reference. And Betty is going to drive a big rig looking for justice. Yes. There we go. And then the last shot of the episode is the bloody handcuffs teeing up yet again. Something has happened to Jughead for the third or fourth time in the show. Definitely dead this time, I think. And that's where we leave it until July at this point. July 7th may be the next episode of the show. Before we wrap up here, though, I I don't know if I'll be ready in July like this. It's Mm -hmm. I am like I literally wrote down like this show is too much, right? Like this. You can't. That's why you need three to four months to kind of simmer down a little bit, Pete. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I just I feel like maybe we should all take this time to reassess like what we're doing with our lives. And I don't know. Go ahead. You know what I mean, like, do that. I, and then we'll I, see I, you on for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead. Reassess all you want. Before we wrap up here for this half a season, who is MVP in the episode? I'll go to Justin first because Pete is losing oh, his mind right now. Um, in, in an episode like this, it's very <laughs> hard to choose an MVP. All all players are most valuable, um, but uh, I'm going to go um, sort of long shot on it and give it up for Hiram. I love wow. I love Hiram in this episode. He he is just stepped into the villain role that is he's not the ultimate villain. I guess the ultimate villain is are things like wind and um, and just <laughs> knives, but like the way that he plays everything, it like I think Pete, you said it like he's just tasting every word. He's just really yeah. going for it here. It's just it's just so good. Pete, what about you? Who is your MVP this episode? Well, I gotta say there was a moment when uh, Betty's mom jumped for the gun. And then, like, Charles and the mom are, are kind of wrestling around. And Betty has a gun pointed at them. 
And like she could have put two in Charles's back real easy, but doesn't. You know what I mean? So that was a crazy kind of moment for me. Uh, but I am so excited for Over the Top Betty that it's uh, uh, Betty all day, her day. This is a hard one here because I enjoyed so many different parts of this episode, but I think I could give it up for Cheryl in particular in this yes, episode. good Cheryl. Wildly all over the place, but that's exactly where we like our Cheryl. Quinn. Very, very funny lines, very funny scenes. It doesn't match anything else that's going on in the show, but I truly do love an insane Blossom storyline that delves into ludicrous supernatural stuff. So super fun. Looking forward to that going forward. Looking forward to what will happen when Tony comes back and is like, what are you doing with this wind god thing? Because that'll be fun as well. And folks, that is it for this half a season. Now, Uh. we'll see what we get time for, but because there is such a gap, we'll definitely try to put some more episodes in the feed as we go forward. Maybe we'll do a mailbag. Maybe we'll do some other stuff, but we're not going to leave you alone. Definitely not. We got to do a speculation episode. Like We got some stuff coming. Uh, Wherever you are, I hope you're doing okay. This was a lot. This was a lot in this episode. I hope you got somebody to talk to. Uh, otherwise, you know, reach out because uh, this this was a lot. I think I'm going to spend the time off watching one minute um, each day, one minute of this episode, so I can finally oh really, really absorb it. Oh, my God. If you'd like to support our podcast and other podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out and we will chat with you about Riverdale, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show on iTunes. In particular, leave us a comment and rate us. We appreciate those quite a bit. Socially, Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, uh, Sarah Bellum. I- wow. <laughs> 